Well, hello, Antioch Church family. I am so excited to be with you guys today. Um, wherever you're watching this, wherever you're taking this in, whether your apartment, in your house, on your drive, in your car, we are gathered together around the name of Jesus, and we are encountering Him together today. And I am excited that you are a part. As I've said during this uh, entire time uh, of coronavirus, we said our circumstances have changed. This virus has changed all of our circumstances, uh, but our mission remains the same. We want to continue to be sons and daughters, people that live from that place of knowing that we're loved by God, being adopted into His family through the gospel. We want to be sons and daughters who encounter Jesus because He's the bread of life. We want to practice His ways. We want to follow Him because when we practice His ways, we grow strong like oak trees, and we shine God's glory wherever we are, and we will be a part of building His kingdom in our city, our nation, and the nations of the earth. And we want to keep at that even when our circumstances change with this virus. And so I've been sharing with you different ways that you guys have been living that out, that we've been living that out as a church, and I have another one for you today. Uh, when we take that statement and we begin to think about it, we talk about building God's kingdom in our city, nation, and nations of the earth. One of the ways that we do that is through planting churches. We believe that new churches in new places give new people an opportunity to hear about the love and the grace and the saving power of Jesus, and they bring God glory. And so we're committed to planting churches in our city, in our nation, and the nations of the earth. And we've sent out a number of people over the years from our midst to various nations to be the hands and feet of Jesus there in places where he's not known and his name is not lifted up. And uh, we love sending people out and seeing it go, seeing them go. But it's also a bittersweet process because we have a commitment to send out the best of the best. We send out people that we love dearly and we say goodbye for now uh, to them for them to be able to fulfill the call of God on their life because we believe that Jesus is worth it and we believe that people are worth it. And so we want to respond by sending people out. But it's bittersweet because we love them dearly and we miss them when they're gone. So it's sweet because they're fulfilling God's purpose. It's a little bitter because it's sad in seeing them go. And today, in the midst of everything going on, I want to share with you another, uh, another person or persons, a couple rather, from within our midst who have sensed God calling them out to the nations to be a part of bringing the good news of Jesus to places and nations where He is not Known, and this is going to be a bittersweet announcement uh, as well. I might get a little emotional as I tell you about it, uh, but over the course of this last year, and even in a heightened way over these last several months, our children's pastor, Ellen Schaub, and her husband, Nathan, together have sensed God calling them to the nations to be a part of bringing the gospel to new places and to new countries. We knew this was something that God had put within their hearts, but over the last few months, they have really sensed the Lord saying, the time is now for you to take this step. I'm calling you forward in this season. And we love Nathan and Ellen dearly. I remember when they first started attending the church as newly married, fresh out of college, and Savannah Reynolds said, hey, there's this amazing couple that you need to meet. I remember me and them and just instantly uh, feeling great affection 
for them. And we had an opening in our children's ministry for a new children's pastor, and Ellen applied. And I was thrilled when she took that role, and she has just done such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful job investing in the children of our church. And she's done a wonderful job loving so many of us so well. And she's been an amazing part of our team and our community, an amazing preacher. And so I'm really sad to see her go. And then Nathan, he's been such a faithful encourager and presence in our children's ministry, in Club 57, in leading life group. Uh, it just, man, I have so much joy in my heart when I think about Nathan and them together. You want to talk about a power couple and so when they said that they wanted to do this, it was shared in an overseer meeting. And one of our overseers said, no, because we're going to miss them so much. And yet there's this deep sense of, yes, we believe the Lord is calling them in this season. And with this virus, obviously, it's, it has uh, presented some new challenges for them. Uh, and they're still working out the details. But we wanted to share that with you this Sunday uh, for you to know. And I know many of you that have been in the children's ministry, uh, you already know this. And uh, if you watch the Antioch at Home edition on Thursday night, uh, they share more of their story. And so if you want to hear more of their journey, I'd encourage you to check that out here on our YouTube page. But we wanted to share this with our entire church family this Sunday. And under normal circumstances, we'd pull Ellen and Nathan up here and we would hug them and pray for them uh, with this social distancing and all. We're not able to do that, but I do want to pray over them. They're not leaving right away. They have several months as they work out the details of what it's going to look like for them to go to East Asia to be a part of an Antioch work that's there. But we want to pray over them in the process. And so if you would bow your heads with me and join with me in prayer. Father, we are so thankful for Nathan and for Ellen. We're so thankful for the way that they love you and their presence in our lives, in our relationships, in our church, and even with the kids of our church, Lord. And so it's with sadness that we say goodbye, but it's with joy because we know that they are incredible people stepping into an incredible purpose for which you've called them to, Lord. And so we as a church family, we just extend our love, our care, our prayer, Lord. And we're asking as they try and work out all the details between here and there, that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit, Lord. You give them great wisdom and understanding. You provide for them at every step, Lord. And you would send them out in the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I made it through that announcement without getting uh, emotional. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do that. Nathan and Ellen, we love you so much. Okay, today we are going to continue a series we began three weeks ago about strengthening the home. And I believe that the home is so important to the Lord, and I believe the home is so important to each of us, whether we live alone or with roommates or with our family, our homes matter, and they matter to God. And in this season where we've celebrated Mother's Day, and we're looking forward to Father's Day, and everyone has been asked to stay at home as much as possible, home is just on the mind. And I sense that the Lord wants to use this time to bring fresh strength and hope and life to our homes. Now, 
I know in this season, many of us have experienced great joy about being at home and having things simplified. I was talking with one of our overseers, Sterling Worth, today, and he was saying, man, when again am I going to have this gift of being home with my family for two months in a row, just being able to spend time together? He said, what a precious gift. And I know so many of you have expressed those same sentiments, that there's great treasure that's been found in this time at home. Great memories are being made, things that we'll cherish for a lifetime. And I know very practically that there are great challenges, that there is loneliness and fear, irritation, irritability, uh, arguing sometimes. Like there's, there's challenges to being in close quarters day after day after day uh, in our homes. And so whatever end of the spectrum you fall on, whether this has been wonderful or very challenging, or both wonderful and challenging at the same time, I believe that the Lord wants to strengthen you today and wants to equip you to bring strength to your home. And I want to help you in that. In this season, a passage of scripture that I've been meditating on and praying over and just thinking about consistently is Isaiah 41 10. It's an incredible promise from God to his people. And he says this, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I love that. God has promised us that he will be with us so we don't need to be afraid. He's promised us that he will strengthen us and he will help us, and he will uphold us. And this is who God wants to be to you and to me. He wants to be the one with you. He wants to be the one bringing you strength. He wants to be your helper. He wants to be the one that upholds you. And he wants to be that to your home as well. He wants to be with your home. He wants to bring strength to your home. He wants to bring help to your home. He wants to uphold your home. And I know that sometimes when we hear that, we're like, man, that's very inspiring, but how exactly do I receive that strength or that help? How do I access that? If that's available, I want that. How do I get it? And that's what this series is all about. It's the how that we receive the strength of the Lord. It's the how that we receive the help of the Lord. So the first week we saw one of the tools that we receive strength through is through worshiping the Lord. Adoration is a door to the presence of the Lord, right? And so when we adore God, when we worship God in our homes, it brings an awareness of his presence and it brings strength and it brings joy. Last week, Nancy Eisenberg shared an incredible message about strength for our home and fixing our eyes on God, keeping our eyes on Jesus in this season where it's so tempting to look in so many other directions. And when our eyes are on him, we find the strength that we need. Today, I want to give you another tool to help you strengthen you and build you up in your home. And to do that, I want to tell you uh, an interesting thing that I read this week, and I'd love to hear what you think about it. So if you're watching this on the live stream, I'd love for you to go in the chat and just give your thoughts on what I'm about to tell you. Uh, a researcher by the name of Brene Brown, Dr. Brene 
Brown is a, she's a speaker and a writer, and she spent years studying joy. She spent years researching what brings about joy in people's lives. And you know, this year we began the year focused on joy as a church. And it's been a personal journey of mine that I'm wanting to grow in joy this year. And I, I actually, uh, you know, I've had some challenges, but I've, I've laughed more this year than I ever have in my life. So that's a good thing. We want to grow in joy. And I've heard from so many of you uh, just experiencing greater joy in the Lord this year. Well, she said in her research about joy, she interviewed a thousand people over a 12-year period studying what leads to a joyful life. And she found one trait that all the people that were joyful that they had in common. There was one thing that all of them without fail had in their lives that, that led them to experience joy. Here's what she said. She said, in 12 years of research, in all that time, I have never interviewed a person who describes himself as joyful, who did not actively practice gratitude. Practicing gratitude invites joy into our lives. And when I say practice, I don't mean an attitude of gratitude or a feeling of being grateful. I mean practicing gratitude. These folks shared in, a common, in common a tangible gratitude practice. So what she's saying, she's saying that the common denominator that she found in her research of what leads to a joyful life is a simple practice of gratitude. Not a general feeling of being thankful, not the attitude of gratitude, but there were rhythms that people had in their lives that helped them practice being thankful. And that thankfulness led to joy. And I realize that's backwards to how so many of us think about it or how I've thought about it so much, right? We, we normally think that joy is the fruit of the seed, or we normally think that gratitude is the fruit of the seed of joy. That if I'm joyful, then I will be thankful. That if I have good things going on in my life, right, that bring me joy, then I'm going to express thanks. We think that joy is the seed and gratitude is the fruit. But what she found was that it was backwards, right? That the seed is gratitude. And when I practice gratitude, the fruit that that brings in my life is joy. Uh, on Earth Day this year, one of our neighbors came down and in a socially distanced way wanted to do a little project with our kids around plants and planting, in particular, strawberry plants. So you can see that I've got right here a strawberry plant. And as I've looked at this and thought about this teaching, I've realized, right, at some point someone planted a seed in the ground, a strawberry seed in the ground that now is bearing fruit. It's bearing, it's got one lone strawberry on it. Hopefully more are coming, right? But a seed was sown, fruit comes. A seed was sown, fruit comes. And what Brene Brown was saying is when we sow the seed of gratitude, the fruit that comes is joy. When we're intentional about sowing that seed, then we reap joy, not the other way around. And you know what? That's something that we see not just in research and human experience, but we actually see that in Scripture. We actually see that in God's Word, and God shows us in His Word what scientists are now 
confirming, but he shows us very clearly the importance of gratitude in the way that it brings joy and strength to our lives. And I want to show this to you today. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4. We're going to be in verse 9. Now, two weeks ago, I shared with you that Revelation is the songbook of the New Testament. It is the songbook of the church. In its 21 chapters, it has 15 songs. These are the anthems of heaven, the songs that are being sung in heaven. And Jesus gives the apostle John revelation into what is going on in heaven. The songs that are being sung there that punctuate the activity of heaven. And John has recorded these songs in the book of Revelation that was given to the early church. And these songs are there and they were meant to inform and inspire and bring strength to the early church who was suffering under Roman rule, under the Roman Empire. They were in a very difficult time of suffering. And so these songs were not just mere songs that were recorded. They were songs with a purpose. The anthem of heaven that are recorded in the book of Revelation, each one was meant to strengthen, bring hope, bring joy to people, followers of Jesus who were suffering and in a time of trial. And we saw track one on the album of heaven two weeks ago was about God's character, about the holiness of God. And we saw there that it was worshiping God for his character, adoring him, right, that brought a door to his presence. That's track one on the album of heaven. Track two is what we're going to read about today. The second song that's on the album of heaven, the anthem of heaven, that was revealed to the early church to bring them strength, and that the Holy Spirit wants to speak through his word today to you and me to equip us to bring us strength through this same song. Revelation chapter 4 verse 9 it says this, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever. Remember, John has come into the throne room of heaven. He sees God on the throne. He sees all of heaven worshiping him. They're singing that song. Says, Whenever that happens, verse 10, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns down before the throne. And here's track two on the songs of heaven, the anthems of heaven. And they say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. This is a song of thanksgiving. This is a song of God's people looking around at all of creation and saying, God, you are worthy of honor and glory and praise because of what you have done, what you've done in creation. There's so much good around us. This is a song of thanksgiving. So the first song on the album of heaven, the anthem of heaven, is a song of adoration. The second song is a song of thankfulness. That as they were singing, as they were seeing what God had done, they were giving him thanks and honor and glory and praise, right? And this song was given to us in scripture and given to the early church to be something that they carried with them and that we carried with us. A song that was on repeat in their minds. This focus on giving thanks to the Lord, practicing gratitude. 
And as they would do that, right, it was how they experienced the joy of the Lord to be their strength. It strengthened them. It gave them hope and joy uh, in their lives and in their homes because the early church so often met house to house and was composed of members of your household. So this song was meant to be sung not just when we gathered together, not just on our own in our, in our uh, iPhones or whatever, but it's meant to be practiced and sung house to house roommates to roommates, family to family, uh, apartment to apartment, home to home, thanksgiving to God. And as I was thinking about that, I remembered a few years ago when I was, uh, I was having my face time, I was having my devotional time with the Lord, spending time reading scripture and praying, and I sensed the Holy Spirit speak to me in that time. And I sensed the Holy Spirit tell me, Zach, you need to set an alarm on your watch at minute 57 of the hour. And from minute 57 to minute 60 of every hour you're awake, I want you to practice giving thanks. Now, this isn't an everyday occurrence in my FaceTime. It's not something that happens all the time, but this was very clear, a prompting from the Holy Spirit. So I set the alarm on my watch, and as I would go about my day, minute 57, the alarm would beep, and I would start uh, practicing giving thanks. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a naturally thankful person. Uh, some of you I've seen, like, you're in a bad mood, and a bad mood for you means, like, maybe there's a little frown on your face, right? Uh, generally, you see the glass half full, you wake up, everything is roses, right? That's not me. I can be grumpy, I can be irritable, I can get frustrated very easily, I can see the glass half full. Like, I have very strong flesh. And so when I heard this from the Lord, I was like, I want to do this, and at the same time, there was such resistance in me against the simple practice of gratitude. But by God's grace, I began to implement this little step in my life. And what I was amazed, though I didn't feel thankful on the front end, and though I didn't feel joyful when it started, as I practiced gratitude, there was like emotional chemistry experiments going on in my body that was shifting my outlook on life. It was shifting the way I saw people. It was shifting my attitude as a whole. It was bringing strength and joy into my life as I practiced giving thanks to the Lord, or as I practiced this song on the album of heaven, giving thanks to God for all the things that he has created and all that he has done. Uh, I recently read a couple years ago of in marriage, uh, a marriage train that said, you should tell your spouse five things you appreciate about them every day. And so I started trying to practice that and telling Christina, here are five things that I appreciate about you each and every day for an extended season. And what was amazing about that time, I realized that in giving thanks and telling her what I appreciated, it allowed me to see blessings that were in my life that I was missing before without the practice of gratitude. But through the practice of giving thanks to her in our home, for the blessings that she is, it opened my eyes to see the goodness of God in my home. It strengthened our relationship in fresh ways, all through the simple practice of expressing appreciation. 
That practice of gratitude is so powerful and brings strength and joy into our lives. Uh, one of my favorite stories that I've heard and read on the, on the power of giving thanks is from a woman named Corey Ten Boom. And she was a believer along with her sister Betsy uh, during kind of World War II time period in Europe. And they were taking Jews in and protecting Jews from the Nazis. And eventually they were discovered, they were arrested, and they were taken to a concentration camp. Uh, and in her, in her book, she describes their experience in the concentration camp. And I don't know about you, but being arrested, being taken to a concentration camp, that's not my idea of a good time. And it was definitely not their idea of a good time. And they were assigned in the concentration camp, they were assigned to a barracks that was infested with fleas. I don't know about, have you ever experienced fleas like on your skin? I have, it is terrible. It's so annoying, it's so frustrating, it's so flustering. And this wasn't just for a moment, this was where they were going to sleep day in and day out for an indefinite period of time. Well, they were discouraged. And Corey recounts the experience of going in, finding this out, having the fleas all over her and being like, Lord, I don't know how we're going to make it through this. How are we going to make it through this? And she said that her sister Betsy began to pray, Lord, please show us. Please show us how we're going to make it through this time. And then all of a sudden, Betsy said, Corey, I know what the answer is. And Corey's like, what? And Betsy said, it's the scripture we read this morning from 1 Thessalonians and a little Bible that they had smuggled in uh, to the concentration camp. It said, give thanks in all circumstances or give thanks in all things. And Betsy said to Corey, the way that we're going to make it through this is by responding to the word that God has given us to give thanks to him, even in this time, to give thanks in all things. And Corey was like, uh, what do we have to give thanks for. Like, this is not good. And Betsy said, well, at least we can start with, we have our Bible. And so they began reluctantly to give thanks to the Lord for having their Bible with them. And then slowly they began to identify one thing after another that they were giving thanks for. Finally, though, Corey said, Betsy, I don't know that I can give thanks to the Lord for these fleas. Like, I just think that may be too much. And Betsy said, no, Corey, the word says we want to give thanks in all things to the Lord. We need to give thanks to the Lord for these fleas, even if we don't understand them right now. So Corey reluctantly went along with her sister, gives thanks for the fleas. Time passes and Betsy ends up getting sick. So she can't go out and do the manual labor that many of the other uh, people in the concentration camp did. She was actually confined to the barracks. Um, and so she would stay in the barracks and there would be other people there who were ill and infirm. And she would take her Bible and go around day in, day out, hour in, hour out and minister to people and pray for people and share the gospel. As most of the camp was out working, she was in the barrack ministering to people, sharing her faith, sharing with them the love of Jesus. And they were amazed that Betsy had this much latitude to be able to do this within the concentration camp that she could go pretty much unhindered in her barracks talking about Jesus. And one day they found out why she'd had that much room. There was a commotion in the barracks and the guards needed to come in, but they actually refused to go in because the barracks were infested with fleas. 
You see, the guards would avoid the particular barracks that Corey and Betsy were in because they didn't want the fleas. And in that moment, Betsy and Corey realized, oh my goodness, the fleas that we had so much trouble giving thanks for were actually a gift that made it so that the guards wouldn't come in and we could minister freely to the people that were around us. And that story has stuck with me for years because it's so powerful at them finding things that they could give thanks for. And even if they didn't see it in the moment, later they understood, wow, this is what God was doing. So now let's break it home. Let's break it down to how does this get into our homes? How does this get into our lives? I want to give you a couple practical examples that you can take this week and begin to implement in your world. First one is, a few weeks ago, I challenged you to start your day with a worship song. Now I want to challenge you to take another step, and after you take that worship song and worship the Lord, I want to challenge you to write down 10 things that you're thankful for every day to start your day as an individual. Because as you join in the anthem of heaven, the song of giving thanks, right, this is how you find strength for yourself, for you to be the best version of you in your home. And then the second challenge I want to give you, and I actually learned this one in an odd place uh, from the CEO of Yahoo, the, the search engine news site, Marissa Mayer. I read that she at staff meetings would have her staff go around and they had to share one thing that they were thankful for that someone else on staff did in the last week. So they would have to go around and share what they were thankful for that this person did and that person did. So I said, we're going to try this at home. And so my family, as a practice, we regularly go around the table at dinner time and we work on each person telling someone else at the table something they are thankful for that that person did that week. Another way that we do this is say, what's something in the last 24 hours that you can be thankful for? So from last dinner to this dinner, what are you thankful for? And this is a way where we're sowing in thankfulness as a home. And I love how Joe Paulino said it, that when you practice things like this, thankfulness becomes the heartbeat of your home. And who doesn't want a home marked by thankfulness and marked by the joy and the strength that that brings? As we close, uh, one of the things, the joys that I've had in this season is having extra time to play different sports with my kids, which I love. And my daughter's very interested in volleyball and really would like to make the volleyball team next year at her school. So we've been practicing volleyball. And one of the things that we're learning how to do together is how to serve. And as we're learning how to serve and practicing how to serve, we've been spending time uh, out in the backyard working on just consistency with the form, underhand and overhand, working on consistency in striking the ball. And it's kind of boring. It's not very glamorous. It's pretty monotonous just to do the same thing over and over and over again. But it's that practice there in the seemingly mundane, right? that as it builds strength is going to prepare her for being able to do the thing that she really wants to do, which is shine on the volleyball court. And I think that's so fitting for the talking about thankfulness, right? It's rarely going to be glamorous in the moment. It's rarely just going to be flashy, but it's that simple practice day after day of practicing gratitude, of practicing thankfulness, right, that builds the strength that allows us to have a strong 
and joyful home.